0: You're listening to The Devoted Podcast, where our desire is to be women devoted to God's Word. We're so glad you're here, and we pray you'll be challenged and encouraged as we look to God's Word together. Whenever I come to a beginning of a new year, or I suppose if I'm being real honest, not just the beginning of a new year, it could be the beginning of a new week or a new month or just any time when you feel like you get to wipe the slate clean and get a new checklist going and but it does seem that at the beginning of the year that's when most of us kind of really get those checklists Ramped up and ready to go, and and I like that stuff. I really do, and I do think that probably each of these podcasts that have been the first one at the beginning of the year, we kind of. I just like to sit and talk to you guys. I just like to sit and kind of share with you some of the things that the Lord's put on my heart as I'm going into this new year, and and I'm always very prayerful about that. That you know maybe these are some of the same things that the Lord might be resting on your own heart, and just as you think about. What you got going? And I say the first of the year because that's when this is going live, but honestly, somebody could pick up the podcast and start this in June. And I hope that you always hear that we need to be reminded of the scriptures that tell us that His mercies are new every morning. We don't need January 1. We don't need the start of a new month. We don't need the clean journal. Every day, every moment can be brand new and fresh with the Lord. That's just amazing mercy and grace that He provides. But as this is first of the year for us, for me, as I'm looking at this, the thing that I was thinking about for this coming up year, for this coming season is... What are the things that we really do need? I know when my kids were little, and I actually probably still rehearse this in their brains from time to time, but when you'd go to the store and there's always those amazing impulse purchases that are right at the checkout, right? And it's the amazing thing of Silly Putty or this little junky toy that you know is going to break in about three seconds. And it never fails. That's when they kind of come like, oh, I really need this. And they'd get it. Oh, can we get this? Can we get this? I really need this. And I remember very early on Chris talking to our boys and saying, okay, let's talk about what a need is and what a want is. And it's such a funny thing. Like I know I'm putting this in terms of kids and the crazy, ridiculous, silly putty that don't buy it. Parents, if you're thinking about it, like, oh, it'll probably be fine. No, it won't. It will get stuck in the sheets. They will sleep with it and you'll be picking it off for about a month. It's, I might have had a bad experience there. So, But the need versus the want, It honestly, that's a thing that continues for us even as adults, right? There's things that we think that we really, really need. I need this, Lord. And we might even pray in that way of things that we need. But sometimes we need that same check. Is this a need or is this a want? The amazing thing about our Lord is that He knows the things that we actually need. The things that we think that we need right now, that might be (laughs) and it might not be. That's why it's always so good to come to the Lord with those things that we think that we need so that we can maybe get the Lord's perspective, a right perspective on that need versus that want. But I was thinking just recently about the things that we need and truly what is all that we need. And so I just felt like I wanted a little bit of refresher in the scriptures. And I thought I would just kind of have you guys join me in this in just a refresher on the things that we need and truly what it means to have sufficiency in him alone. We hear that word. It sounds like a very Bible Christian-y word that he is sufficient. And what does it look like? to have sufficiency. It's not always a word that we use maybe every day, but it just means that it's adequate, that it's enough, that it is precisely what we need. I, I, I kind of think of this in the image when you're baking and you've got the bakers that get the flour and they very evenly scrape off the top so it's just like the perfect amount. And then you have some that are like me that are a little bit more like the dumpers and we just kind of throw it in there and eh, it looks pretty close. I confess, I am a little bit more in that route. But when I think of what's exactly sufficient, what's exactly adequate, it's that perfect cup of flour that's just been scraped off and it's that smooth, it's just perfect, it's exactly what's called for, it's exactly what's needed. And that's the picture that comes to mind when I think of sufficiency. So when we translate that and we think, okay, well, what does it mean to really find sufficiency in him alone? When we think about that, when you just marinate on that a second, there's just such a peace and removal of all stress to know that he is that perfection. He's that sufficiency. He's all that we need. I love the Corey ten Boone quote. If you've never read Corey ten Boone from The Hiding Place and her experiences in a concentration camp in Nazi Germany, crazy, harrowing story, and yet so faith building at the same time. But she says something in there actually reflecting on her experience within that. And, but she says, you can never learn that Christ is all you need until Christ is all you have. Now, most of us are not going to go through an experience that's quite as harrowing as Quarantine Boone in a concentration camp, we hope, where most of the, even the bare necessities that we would think are just our common comforts were removed for her. And yet she found that even in that, even in the dark stuff, even when you're cold and hungry and lice are eating at you is with what they went through in that concentration camp, you never learn that Christ is all you need until Christ is all you have. Makes me reflect on how good we have it, that we don't usually go through circumstances like that. And so maybe that's why sometimes we don't think that we need Christ as much as we truly, truly do because we have so many other things and comforts and things that kind of mask maybe what's filling those different areas. And so we think, oh, we're we're kind of good, but really believing the scripture that Christ is sufficient. It's in 2 Corinthians 12, 9 and 10. And it says, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. There are so many pieces of that verse in 2 Corinthians 12, 9 through 10 that I have in different seasons of life just kind of set with. Sometimes it's that line, my grace is sufficient for you. Just those few words. And that's kind of what I started this podcast talking about, just the sufficiency of who Christ is he truly is what we need even sift through your wants and all that kind of stuff but he's the part that we need and he is sufficient for us it says his grace is sufficient and by grace meaning what is that right there like that's that's the gospel right there right the his Love poured out for us on the cross that covers our sin, that we are forgiven. That is, the scripture here is sufficient. It is all we need. But we also know from other scriptures how abundant He is. I mean, my goodness, there is so much abundance in this sufficiency. Maybe that seems like it conflicts that something can be abundant and sufficient all at the same time. But I think with the Lord, those two things actually seem to work quite well. So His grace is sufficient for us. But the next thing it says is, for my power is made perfect in weakness. I don't know about you. And I I don't know if it's just what this last year looked like. I've shared with you guys here on the podcast that there was just there was a lot of change. There was a lot of personal loss and hardship and just different things. Zero complaints. My goodness, the Lord has been so in it every single time. But a lot of times where that line right there of just feeling weak feeling whether it's ill-equipped for the moment or the situation that's in front of you. But I think at, at one point or another, if we're really honest, and probably most of us would say we feel this almost daily, it's this weakness thing, right? Of feeling like, ah, I just don't have what I feel like I need sometimes just to keep going. I'm weak, Lord. I'm weak. And it's such a contrast because we've talked about how there's all the female mantras out there, the empowerment things of you've got this and you're amazing. And all of these things are kind of exhausting when you get down to it. Because if you can say that all day long, but does any of us really, truly feel like we got this? I don't feel like I got this. And when I read scriptures like this, I'm reminded that it's okay that I don't feel like I've got this because it says, for my power, that's God's power, is made perfect But it says in our weakness, not in our strength, not in our how amazing we are, not in our amazing abilities, but no, rather his power is made perfect in our weakness. That's such a calming, and just a great truth to reflect on because there's no pulling yourself up by your bootstrap that, that you are going to just do it. That's kind of the world's mantra. And it's the stuff that just kind of tires you out at the end of the day. The Lord takes us in our weaknesses and in our moments when we just feel like we've got nothing. And in fact, he doesn't just leave us in that nothing. And instead, he takes it and it says, for my power is made perfect in weakness. So I love that. So there's that section of the verse that I've loved to just kind of see. on. As you continue to go through that passage when it says, therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. I love it when words like rest just hit us. When Matthew tells us when Jesus says, take my yoke upon you for my burden is easy. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. It's, again, such a contrast to what we put on ourselves, right? We think that we need to do more. We think we, we need to get busy. We need to be all about the work, the work, the work, the work. And that is, this isn't a word to not work hard or to not give your best, but it is kind of a word to stop striving, you know, stop beating at the wind so much. And instead, there's this language like rest, like take his yoke upon us, which is easy, kind of chill out. And then it goes on for the sake of Christ. Then it says, I'm content. There's another phrase, I am content. We struggle. I struggle. We all can be in these places of just not feeling content with where we're at. And maybe as that verse continues to go on, it goes, I am content with what? With weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. Kind of things that we don't necessarily think to be very content with. Usually when we feel like we're either in that mode of weaknesses or if we're being insulted or experiencing hardships or persecutions and calamities, those are typically the times when we have a tendency to be a little bit more of the martyr, a little bit more of the victim. Look what's happening to me. Why is this happening to me? The woe is me kind of thing. And really, I think those are a lot of feelings and thoughts that we kind of just need to take captive and give those to the Lord. And it's it's something that we need to really repent of when we find ourselves in those thought patterns, those tapes that you run in your brain over and over and over that just tell yourself, this isn't fair. So-and-so isn't experiencing this. Why is this happening to me? Why did this happened, why it's not a good cycle to get yourself into. And more than anything, I think we just need to really repent of those thoughts, give them over to Christ and surrender those things. And instead, take this part of second Corinthians where Paul's saying, no, I'm content in those things. Boy, that's a challenge right there. How many of us feel like we are content to be insulted and to endure hardships and persecutions and calamities? I think that's one I probably need to write down and put that one on my fridge and see how I'm doing with that one. But then he finishes off that passage and he says, for when I am weak, then I am strong. Over and over this one, there was an old Stephen Curtis Chapman song. You guys have heard me say this before, so I'm probably a broken record, but I just think of it often. It was a song that he sings This part of this line, basically that says, your strength is perfect when my strength is gone. You'll carry me when I cannot carry on. And it's a little bit of a melding of a couple places in the same passage. But when we're weak, that is when we're strong. How does that even make sense? How does it make sense that weakness and strength go together? And the key there is the Lord himself, the sufficiency that he is, that he's just really all we need. That there's no component of you or me of all the things that I've got that are going to carry us through and get us there. So I think that's kind of where I'm sitting with this year. I want to think about what are the things that I need and what does it mean for me to think about that Christ is all I need. So there's a lot of scriptures that talk about this actually. And I and I spent some time just looking up some of the things about really the power of Christ in us. Because And I'm going to read some of those because I, I, I think this is an interesting thing for us to think about. I don't even know if we we know what this looks like, but this verse, it's in Ephesians 1, Starting in verse 19, and he says, What is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe? According to the working of his great might that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but the age to come. And so it's talking about Christ, but it's talking about the power that raised Christ from the dead and that verse 19 that we started says, what is the immeasurable greatness and power towards us who believe the power towards us? It's the same power that raised Christ from the dead. That's kind of an amazing thing when you think about and thinking about what does it look like then for Christ to be sufficient and all that we need. I kind of then start going to these verses that talk about this crazy power that God is, that is more than we even need, right? I've been coming back to this verse quite a bit in the last few weeks, but it's Ephesians 3, 20 through 21. And I'm going to back up a little bit, but I want to read this part because everybody's heard this part and this verse, and it's so good. But it says, now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think according to what? The power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. I love this passage because it's talking about that he can do so much. He can do abundantly more than we even ask or think. And you might be thinking, well, I can think of quite a bit. Well, Scripture would say that actually even more than what you can think of, anything even more than you can ask, according to the power at work within us. So there it is again, that word, the power, and what are we getting at there? What does it mean to understand that with God, all things truly are possible? Earlier in Ephesians, that was where it said in Ephesians 1, it was talking about that Christ, the same power that raised Christ from the dead. That's a pretty insane power, right? That the Lord has. And it's that power that is at work within us. It tells us in 2 Peter 1 through 3, his divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence. And there it is again, that divine power that's granted to us all things, all things, I read verses like this and I sit here and I think, okay, if I go back to my original question of what is it that we need and how is it that Jesus is all that we need? Well, 2 Peter, I think, actually gets kind of practical with that because it even tells us that that divine power is granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. And then it answers, well, what does the life and godliness look like? And it says, through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence, the knowledge of him. That's what the scriptures are about, right? The scriptures are about God. They're not a book about you. They're not a book about us. They're a, it, it is a book about who God is And his redemptive work for his people, like all throughout Genesis, all the way through Revelation, that really is what that book is and what its story is. But each page is going to reveal something about who he is. So we get to tap into this knowledge of him, who he is. And it's reading scripture then that tells us, and it says that all things that pertain to life and godliness. All the time we ask ourselves, okay, well, how do we practically know how to make this decision? What am I going to do? Sometimes people will take their Bibles and they'll just let it fall. And they'll take their finger and they'll just put it down. And that must be what it is because scriptures are telling us everything that pertains to life and godliness, right? And it's true. It is. You guys know we're real big on understanding scripture within its context, understanding scripture within the way that the Lord wrote it to the audience and all of those things. But it's not really meant to be like even this genie book that you just kind of rub and you go like, okay, tell me the answer and there it is. Now having said that, I have to say there have been times where the Lord used a scripture that I maybe even have studied it in further context or whatever, or but the Lord just speaks through his word. He says his word is living and powerful. It's active. And so he, the Holy Spirit will use the word to really speak very, I think, decisively and very individually and uniquely to your situation at times. You gotta look at all of it in that it's revealing, it's giving us the knowledge of who he is. And I think that's when we look, think about the sufficiency that we find ourselves having in Christ and that he is sufficient, that he is all that we need, it is helpful to think of it through the backdrop of the divine power that the Lord has, because that's one of those attributes of the Lord. We call that omnipotence, right? That he is all powerful. A favorite book that I have is A.W. Tozer's The Knowledge of the Holy. Fantastic book. I mean, it's little, you could read it like as a devotional, highly recommend. But and the thing I like about it is because I do love to just in studying like what the scripture is saying right here the knowledge of who God is man we should be wanting to study and know who God is it's in Jeremiah it says let him who boasts boasts in this that he knows me and so I love studying the attributes of God I love studying the scripture looking for those things that reveal to us who God is and all of who He is, not just the ones with you know, everyone who wants to study that God is love. Well, that is 100% true. It's also 100% sure that God is just and that God is holy and that God is omnipotent and omnipresent. And, and so I love studying these things that the scriptures teach us about who God is. And then if you throw that back in there with what we just read in Second Peter, it says that divine power has granted us all things that pertain to life and godliness, but it's through the knowledge of him. It's through knowing him and studying him in his word. But the other day I was actually reading the knowledge of the holy and there was a chapter in Omnipotence of God. And this is always, I know it's not a coincidence because I don't believe in coincidence. I think they're all god owences, but this was a day where the Lord just kept bringing up these scriptures about the power of God. I was reading Ephesians 3.20, that verse I just read to you, the one about to him who is able to do abundantly more than all we can ask or think that one. I was reading that And the Lord just kept bringing up these passages, and all of them were right, kind of all in the same vein. And then I picked up Knowledge of the Holy, and the chapter I just so happened to be on, which again, don't believe in coincidence, was the chapter on the omnipotence of God. And omnipotence just means all powerful. But he says this quote in there, and he says, sovereignty and omnipotence must go together. One cannot exist without the other. To reign, God must have power, and to reign sovereignly, he must have all power. And that is what omnipotent means, having all power. So the two concepts that go together, we believe that God is sovereign, that he is ruler over all things, he knows all things, and that also goes with the omnipotence because he is all-powerful but he is both at the same time. This is something we got to always keep straight in our brain that when we study who God is, when we study the attributes of God, we're not looking at God as like a circle or a pie, where he has one slice of him that's love and one slice of him that's just, and one slice of him that's omnipotent and sovereign. He's all of his attributes all the time. He doesn't take a break. He doesn't have to take one hat off in order to put the other on. It's tough for our human brains to think that way, because we can't do that. We've got to be thinking usually of just one thing at one time. Those of us who think we can multitask, which I tell myself I can, we kind of can't. You actually can really do something just one thing at a time. But God isn't that way. He is all powerful. So when we get to study the things about who God is, and scripture tells us, study me, know me, know who God is. And second Peter says, this is how you can understand and you can have all the divine power that pertains in through life and godliness is through the knowledge of him. It puts in perspective the things that we need and how he is all that we need when we also have that he is all powerful, that he is all those, all the things that we really lack, but he's all of them. Another scripture I really love is because it's, Against us doing all of the work of the things that we need to do is Ephesians two ten. It says, For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand, that we should walk in them. We should just walk. Don't you love that? Don't you just love that you're just gonna take a walk? Nothing hard. You don't have to run. You don't have to sprint. You don't have to do a certain number of burpees or squats. Nope. You're just going to walk in them. And the thing is, is when it's telling us that those works, they've already been prepared. We already know whatever your year, whatever your month, whatever your week looks like, the Lord's already prepared that road. Like He already knows where it's headed. And we just get to walk in that. It really takes so much of the me out of it, right? It takes so much of the equation of, well, I need to do more or I need to do this. No, we need to find that He is all that we need. Another walking verses in Colossians 1 when it says, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. There's that studying who God is, knowing who he is, his attributes, and how that rightly then affects us understanding and bearing fruit and doing the things that are fully pleasing to the Lord. So I don't know if any of this is making much sense to you guys. These are just some verses that I have written down, I've typed out, I've been reading them several times, and he just kind of keeps these scriptures in front of me. They've been coming to mind throughout the day. And I just kind of loved that as I thought about, I don't know what this next year is going to hold. I have all kinds of things on the calendars, gals. I have all kinds of plans that I have made. But We plan our ways, but the Lord establishes the steps, right? Proverbs 16, 9. Go look that up one. If you're a planner, if you're a checklist person, yeah, memorize that one because we're going to make plans, but it's the Lord that establishes the steps. He's going to determine how it is that he wants us to get there. And the practical part in that, because sometimes all of this, you can read these verses, but then people can go, yeah, but what does that actually look like on the day-to-day to to the Lord be the only thing that we need? And this is where I think some really good routines and habits do come handy. Because you've heard me mention several times that studying scripture, understanding who the Lord is, knowing his attributes, and they're really helpful for us. Scripture tells us to know him. But you're not going to do that if you don't do it. I know that sounds super obvious. Like why did you even waste breath saying that line? My point is, is that we can say that we're going to study his word. We can say we're going to do it, but when do we actually do it? And those things do take some time. Now don't take the like the guilt trip heavy of like, oh, it's January 1st. So I better start my one year reading plan. And I need to spend 45 minutes reading this chunk of scripture and studying these many words and doing all that kind of stuff. Maybe that's the season of your life that you're in. That's awesome. If you have that kind of time to put in there, but you might not too. If you have five minutes or 20 minutes or 30 minutes or an hour or longer, you need to do it. You need to actually be obedient to what the Lord is and don't look for it to just do it when it's convenient. Because if we did that, we're never going to grow. We're never going to actually get any better. If all of us only worked out when we felt like it, I'm sorry, that's just not, that's not exactly much of a plan, right? You do things when you don't necessarily feel like it. And I'll just say, sometimes you won't feel like reading the scriptures that morning. You won't feel like getting up 5, 10, 30 minutes early, or you won't feel like doing it just before you go to bed. You're going to be way more tempted to scroll your feet or or do whatever. But don't depend on when you feel like it. Establish habits that you are just regularly in the Word. Just be in the Word. It is just so important. Because really, when I think about whatever's coming up for us this year, what we know is that the more we're in the word, even if it's just, even if it's not like hardcore study, or maybe we're like not even pulling out something that you didn't have that aha moment or that light bulb as you were reading that passage this morning. Sometimes we think that it almost like didn't count if we didn't feel like we directly heard from the Lord in that passage. That's just not true. Go back into the podcast notes and look up these scriptures that I've read today, because they all talk about increasing in the knowledge of God, knowing the power of the Lord, knowing that all of those things, but you have to actually spend time studying those things to get there. But none of them said that you're going to get it every day or every time that you sit down with your Bible that there's going to be a shining light and this glorious angel sound and you're going to just have this huge revelation. That shouldn't be the expectation for our time with the Lord. The expectation for our time with the Lord should be exactly that, time with the Lord. Not looking for an answer necessarily, though we do that, right? We come to the Lord with our requests and And scripture tells us to cry out to him and he hears us. Yep, we do that. But more than anything, our expectation really should be to spend time with the Lord, to know him. All of the rest that is going to come after that. And Matthew, when it says, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. Setting the perspective, setting the priority, I guess, on what should come first in those things. So as I look at this coming up season of life, this year, this month, this week, the things that I need, I want to be praying that, first of all, that the Lord will be supplying the things that I need, and I'll recognize the things that are needs and the things that are wants, and know that I don't have to worry about really anything. Try to find worry or anxiousness or anything in a single scripture that we've read today. It's just not there in fact, the opposite is there. Even the acknowledgement of our weakness and the fact that we're going to be insulted and face hardships and persecutions. Nope. The word there was that we were to be content in those things. There was no work in there. There was no striving. There was no anxiousness in any of those things. Rather, it's a focus off of ourselves and onto the Lord and who he is, knowing him, studying his word to know who he is. All that I need Truly is Jesus, right? How many worship songs, how many songs have been written that say that line? All I need is you, Lord. But I'm praying for you and for me that we actually kind of get that in a new way this year, that we will think through that really what we do need is we just need the Lord. That's all we need. That's it. And I hope that that gives you a little sense of maybe if you're a type A person like me that, you know, gets all these big goals and these things that you want to accomplish, those are all great. But take a deep breath and focus on the the Lord and off of the things that you think you want and the things that you think you need and focus on him because he will give us every single thing that we truly, truly need. I said I was going to back up a little bit in Ephesians 3 and read some of the scripture that leads up to that really cool passage in 320 that says the now to him who is able to do far more abundantly. And so I just wanted to back it up a little bit because there's so much more in this passage right here but starting in verse 14 of chapter 3 it says for this reason i bow on my knees before the father from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named that according to the riches of his glory he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being so that christ may dwell in your hearts through faith that you being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend with all the saints, what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. That is truly all that we need. And that's the passage that leads right up into verse 20 that says now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. That's my prayer for us, for me, for you, for this year or the season of life that you're in right now. Focus not on you. Focus on the Lord. Realize he is all that we need. Go back and read Ephesians 3, 14, all the way through the end of the chapter. To Him be the glory in the Church and in Christ Jesus through all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Thanks for tuning in to the Devoted Podcast. We are a ministry of Athey Creek Christian Fellowship in West Linn, Oregon. For more resources or if you need prayer or encouragement, send us an email at devotedpodcast at